Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast, a podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. I'm Austin Wilson, research analyst at Hickson Zerker Capital Management. And I'm Josh Robb, director of wealth management at Hickson Zerker Capital Management. Austin, how can people help us grow our podcast? Well, we would, first of all, love it if you would subscribe. If you're not subscribed, get every episode every Thursday. We would also love it if you'd visit our website and sign up for our weekly newsletter, which gives you a little bit of a synopsis of the episode that's coming out that week every Thursday, as well as a link to listen to it directly. So that's what we would love. But today, Josh. Yes. We are going to be following up and continuing our series with listener questions. Oh, we've good. had some listeners ask some questions, and we would love to answer them. And as a reminder, we would always love to answer your questions. So if you have any questions, you might be featured on episodes. So send us an email to hello at theinvesteddads.com or get a hold of us on our social medias. We would love to be able to include your questions in one of these upcoming episodes. But we've got 11 questions, Josh, All right. to get through today. And I think we're going to have a good discussion about some of them because I know what they are and you don't. Ha ha. You could tell I was not involved. 11 is just a horrible number. That's a random. Oh, what are you doing? It's not an even number. It's nothing. Oh, man. 11. So today we're going to be answering our listeners' questions and let's jump right into question number one. This is really open-ended and I think we're going to have some different opinions on it. What should I invest in? Pause. That's, Do your disclosure. Okay. Nothing we talk about in this episode is a recommendation because we don't know your financial situation. But hey, if you have any questions about your financial situation, you could give us a call or shoot us an email. There's an invest with us tab on our website where we could talk to you if you have any specific yep. questions. So with that out of the way, okay. nothing is a recommendation. But Josh, what would you say if I were to say, what should I invest in? And I'm not talking about me. Just general saying, person. What should I invest in? The high level answer without actually saying what you should invest in is you should invest in as much as you need to reach your goals. And historically, the best thing to do that is equities, so stocks of some sort. And then no more than that, because you don't need to take excess risk than you need. So what should you invest in? You should invest in equities to the point that it helps you attain your goals or give you a highest probability. Yeah. It's a very vague non-answer. No, I'm, me, I'm good with it. Excited about. But high level, what should you be investing in? Things you're comfortable with. That's really, yeah. you know, when it comes down to it, you need to understand it, be comfortable with the risk reward. So yeah. that's what you should invest in. Do not invest in something that you're uncomfortable or unsure of exactly what it is. I would also tag on to there that the more you know about investing, the more you will be comfortable with generally equities yep. is what I'm saying over longer terms if you really understand you know, yep. the history of things like that. I would give a similar answer, but I would elaborate a little bit more and I would say, generally speaking, again, not knowing anyone's financial situation, a diversified basket of stocks. Mm-hmm. So diversification is key. You don't want to own all tech stocks. Mm-hmm. Actually, that would have roasted you this year. That would have been bad. But also, you would have done really good this year if you held all energy stocks, but that's not the way yep. it's going to be all the time. So a diversified basket of stocks, and that can be done in a number of ways, whether that be through a index fund, whether that be through an ETF, whether that be through and which we're going to talk about that in a little bit more surprise later, but or individual stocks within different sectors. Those are different ways to do that. Again, to the point where you can tolerate the risk level. Of that. So I would agree. Next question. Yes. When 
should I buy stocks? When you have cash. And then the follow-up question is, when should I sell stocks? When you need cash. Wow, that's a Nick Murrayism, isn't it? Yes. You buy stocks for long-term growth to beat inflation. You buy it when you need to increase your growth potential. And you sell it when you need cash for living expenses or needs. Yeah. But the high level is when should you buy stocks? When they're priced at a point where you're comfortable paying for what you're getting. And so we use in our industry, there's a lot of metrics. There's price to earnings ratio. There's price to cash flow, price to sales, all different metrics to say, how much am I paying the price for what I'm getting, whether it's earnings or cash flow or whatever you want to look at. And so when should you buy stocks? When that value is there for you. Some people have different metrics, right? They may say, you know what? I want to see X amount of earnings. I want to see whatever it is. So the answer, when do I buy stocks is when you're getting value for what you're paying. It's like anything. When mm-hmm. do I buy shoes? Well, when I need them probably. But when what do I pay for them is when I'm comfortable. I'm not going to walk into the store and pay too much for those shoes. Same idea. I want when to, you buy stocks, when you are comfortable with the price. I want to simplify that. I want to say, when should you buy stocks? I, and I would say, anytime you don't need the money from your stock account. And that's going to be using a strategy that we refer to as dollar cost averaging because I do not believe that most people should be dealing with valuations. Hmm. Most people should just say, hey, I'm in it for the long term and I know that this is going to be worth more in the future, many years down the road, 10, 20, 30 years. I know it's going to be worth more because it always has been worth more. I'm going to just put money in every single month and not worry about trying to time it. So that's what I would say is dollar cost average. So periodically invest is what I would say. And yes, when should you sell? When you need it. Ideally, don't sell never in terms. Yeah, never. Our favorite holding period is forever. That's a Warren Buffett quote. Uh, But I would say, yeah, don't sell until you hopefully retire. Obviously, rebalancing and stuff and changing of what you're buying is one thing or changing of what you're holding. But in terms of selling, selling, selling when you need cash in retirement is kind of the goal there. All right, here's a tricky one. And we've referred to this a couple Mm. times in a couple different episodes. Should I invest in Bitcoin? Oh, that's a good question. Again, not a recommendation, anything we're talking about here. And we have a whole episode where we talked about that. Yes, Bitcoin being a cryptocurrency, being outside the regulation of the SEC, it's not actually an investment right now. Correct. And so can you? Should you? That's a good question. And as an advisor, I'm really, it's outside of my expertise. That being said, you should buy or invest in Bitcoin if you can tolerate that volatility. Because again, being a new class of yeah. asset, if you want to call it that, it has a lot of volatility <laughs> and you got to like be comfortable. Yes. <laughs> you have to be comfortable with something that is volatile, trades constantly, even while you sleep. There's no open close to that market. Right. Has potential for issues. You see hacking of accounts. There's, yep. there's a lot of stuff that goes on. So should you invest in it? I don't know, but you need to be aware of it before you do what you're getting into. That's what I would say is you should not put any money in it if you don't understand it, for one. Number two, I would say that if you understand it and understand the technology behind it and you choose to take some exposure in it, which to me is somewhere between speculation and investment. It's not necessarily a for sure investment because there's obviously nothing backing it up and nothing saying that it's going up in the future, even though a lot of people who are bullish about it think so. There really isn't, you know, it's very not widely used and not regulated. So that would be one aspect is is that you should 
only take on what exposure you can handle the risk for. Mm-hmm. And if you think equities are risky, yeah, and you're a, you're toning down your overall exposure to equities because you know you do, can't handle the volatility. Well, you probably should just avoid yeah. crypto in general. But even Bitcoin's the most stable, probably of of cryptocurrencies because it's the oldest and well, not wait, wait, didn't they have one called Stablecoin? Yeah, that wasn't even so. They've had multiple stable coins that just haven't really been so stable. So I would say with caution, take some exposure if you understand the space to a very small percent of your overall asset allocation. All right. Let me ask you one now. I'll go for it. Pull a question for you. Austin, what is a mutual fund? And that's a good question for our research analyst here. Yeah, and I'm even going to start by saying that we do have a dedicated episode explaining the differences between ETFs and mutual funds. And we're going to plug that into the show notes. Okay. But at a very high level, a mutual fund is a pooled investment vehicle. So if a million of us want to... Invest in, in swimming pools. Invest in swimming pools, yeah. So pretty much we're saying we want to hire a manager to manage large cap US stocks and they're going to invest however they choose to invest. But we all we give them our money. They hold our money and invest in stocks as they see fit, which we would hopefully all agree with the way they're doing it. So therefore, we are in a pool of money invested into that portfolio of stocks. And we, as that portfolio of stocks goes in up and down in value, our asset value and our share of that pie goes up and down with it. That's known as the net asset value. Once we take out some of the costs and fees associated with it and stuff like that. So we are investors in a pool there. It's similar to an ETF. An ETF is also a pooled investment vehicle. It's not even what the question is, but I'm going to go off on that tangent. I would love to know. And those are traded in real time on the stock market. And that is different than a mutual fund, which is only traded once per day after the market closes at NAV. So very different. But, good question, they are very helpful and useful in ways that investors can get diversified portfolios managed by professionals or tracking indexes, whatever that may be, and not have to do it themselves. That follows up with, well, should you invest in individual stocks or mutual funds or ETFs? Like yeah. So it's the best thing to invest in. Well, I would say it depends. Mm-hmm. That's a good answer. In moderation, Great maybe. Answer. I don't know. It sounds like, that sounds like Josh Rob broken record here, but both have their good uses, right? So individual stocks, a lot of people that's very attractive to, they can either hire someone to do that for them where the other person, the manager is selecting the stocks and doing the portfolio for them or they can do it themselves. But that is very visible. So you can literally look at your account and say, I'm holding these 10 stocks and I see how many shares and what it's worth and all of that at at one glance. Now, if I hold a mutual fund or an ETF, you are hiring someone who's managing that mutual fund or an ETF to hold that basket of stocks for you. Or it could be bonds, I guess, for that matter. But it just depends on what level of work you want to put into it. Because if you are not hiring someone to do the actual managing of the individual stocks and you're doing it yourself, that requires a lot of work. You want to build a diversified portfolio with well-run, durable companies that are fundamentally sound and growing and doing well. And well, I do that. <laughs> That's what I look into. And it's a lot of work to understand work. which companies are going to be the ones to do well over time. If you have the time and it's something you're passionate about or that excites you, that could be a really fun little outlet for you. If not, I would use uh, a mutual fund or an ETF. Yeah. And that follows up with what should you do if you have a small account? Is it even worth investing in the stock market? Now, I think that follows up to kind of what you said is when you're working with smaller dollars, 
those mutual funds and ETFs give you more exposure broadly with limited funds. Because to buy a bunch of individual holdings, whether they're stocks or bonds or whatever, you need each individual one. You got to buy shares. And so to get a broad, diversified portfolio, is it worth it to invest a small account? Yeah. If your goals are for growth long-term and you have the idea of liquidity and that can I wait if the market's down? Do I need this money in the short term? If you answer all those questions, the account size isn't as relevant because you can buy partial shares, but you could use mutual funds or ETFs to get to a more diversified portfolio. If you just want to be a person who sticks to a plan and puts money into the market, it is very easy to to use a mutual fund specifically because of the way they're traded and just always every month put in a hundred dollars a hundred dollars and never think and you're getting diversification automatically from that so with small accounts a really easy way to get that diversification is what i would say so josh yes bring it i know you got a dad joke of the week for me i have a dad joke first i uh caveat do you know what odot is ohio department of transportation that's correct so ohio department so one of my neighbors works like dipping dots yes kind of like but one of my neighbors works there and i think he's stealing from the company oh no yeah, I wasn't sure, but when I got home the other day, all the signs were there. All the signs were there. I like it. So speaking of Odad and signs, we're nearing the end of construction season in Ohio Yes, as we're recording this. So that is kind of where we've had every single street in Finley tore up all summer long. Oh, yeah. And summer's winding down. Consecutive streets. Like, don't oh, close yeah. a street next to it. I tried to if come to work. If traffic, yes. Oh. And there were like three different streets within a block. I couldn't turn right because there was construction. So I went down and, try and turned in an alley. And then I couldn't get onto the other road because there was construction. So I had to go the wrong way down yeah. an alley. Oh, boy. Oh, I was illegal. Mm. And uh, now we're kind of winding that down. Yeah. But if you live in Finley, Ohio... This may mean something to you. The Lima Street, not Lima Avenue, yep. so the Lima Street by the cleaners there, it is very smooth. Well, yeah, they tore it all up and redid it. Tore it all thing. up and redid it. And I'm very thankful for yeah. that. So kudos. There you, go. there you go. Or whoever was doing it. When they're done, they're great roads. I'll oh, tell you yeah. what. But in the it's meantime, in between. like I feel like if you go through Toledo, like going to the airport in Detroit or whatever, mm-hmm. 75 is always Oh, they've under been working on that for three years. decades. Oh, man. It's it yeah. is unbelievable. So anyway, okay. I'm off my soapbox. We got there you go. five more questions to yep. get through in to this get episode. To stinking eleven to get to stinking eleven because oh, we couldn't man. just keep it. I couldn't. I couldn't have just kept one. That's true. To the next one. Just, so yeah. All right. Here are some questions that I think are going to make us think. Right. So if something were to happen to you, how would your family be able to weather the storm financially? Great question. It is a great question. Uh, so we did an episode on life insurance. We did. We'll link that. Yeah. If, if something were to happen to you, meaning death, how would your family be able to cope with that? Uh, that's where life insurance comes in. Life insurance is there to provide a lump sum to help offset that loss of income, really, is what it's it's primarily there for, or to help you pay down debts, those type of things. If something bad were to happen in the event of a death, life insurance is your primary vehicle to help weather that storm. If it's disability, that's where disability insurance comes in. There's yep. short-term and long-term. Insurance is the key to all those answers. And that's what insurance is for. You're insuring against an outcome that is low probability, but would be detrimental if it did happen. Yep. And so you know, that's the big piece is to make sure that you are adequately covered for those possibilities. It's not fun to pay your insurance every month or year, but it's there just in case. The hope would be that you go your whole life and just never use it and right. that you you didn't waste any of that money. It was there for protection, but it's a you good, peace good thing. Yes. Going beyond that, 
your family needs to kind of one, somebody else needs to know kind of the overall picture and where everything is. That would make things. Hey, helpful. you're creeping into my next question. But if there's a disability, like who pays the bills? Yeah. How, what bills need paid? What's our know. auto pay? Like just having those open conversations with someone that would yep. be helpful. And you know, the big one is having someone who's a professional along with you to help you through that is huge. And so, you know, making sure you've at least had a conversation on who they could go to to talk to if something were to happen. Yeah, that leads right into the follow-up question, which was, would your loved ones know what to do if you suddenly passed? That is a great question. Hopefully, if you are working with a professional, they know what to do. And mm-hmm. hopefully your loved one, maybe that's your spouse or whatever, could just go see them and yeah, they would talk to so-and-so. know exactly what to do with yep. your accountant or your financial advisor or whatever that is. They have access to everything. Also, and this is kind of uh, making me think personally, is your spouse should probably have some idea of your finances in general. I know that in my family, I handle all of that. I have everything set up exactly the way I want it. And my wife knows what she cares about. If something were to happen, everything's on auto pay. So like it would get paid. However, knowing where everything is. Will that card still be active is the question. Yeah. Yeah, knowing where everything is is a different question. So probably good just to make sure your spouse and you are on the same page of where your money is, Mm -hmm. how to get to it, who to talk to, all your bills. Probably just a good idea to have that understanding, even if you're working with a professional. Just that's a very high-level thing to know. Good. Next question. These are a couple questions focusing on the current Mm -hmm. market turmoil we are experiencing here in 2022. So Josh, broad question, and there's a couple ways we can look at this. How long until my account recovers value? Good question. You know, depending on how you're invested would answer yeah, that question. Exactly. The bond market's down, what, 8%? 10. Yeah. yeah. And then the stock market is down Almost more 20, than that. Yeah. And so depending on your allocation would determine how long it would take to recover. But really, until the uncertainty goes away, and again, when we talk about markets, they do not like uncertainty. And that's where that downside volatility comes in is when there's some uncertainty that's kind of pushed into the market. When we see less uncertainty and more positive news on growth, that's where you'll see the adjustment. But how long? I don't know. Yeah, I would say the the key things that are going to be needed for a sustained, specifically stock market rally, but also bonds for that matter, are inflation to come down. Yep. And it is slowly coming down. And the Federal Reserve to at least give indication that they're not going to be going as bananas with interest rate increases. Because as we know, their interest rate increases are a result of inflation. So they're reacting to inflation to try Mm -hmm. and slow the economy down to bring down inflation. So really, if inflation comes down, the Fed's going to back off. The Fed backing off makes interest rates go down, which is good for stocks and bonds alike, right? Bond prices would go up. Stock valuations would be then able to go up. That's kind of what I'm looking for. To put a timeline on any of this is very difficult. Yeah. How long does the average bear market last? Well, it depends on which time period you're looking yeah. at, for one. But generally speaking, you can think that on average, they are often two and a half years. Okay, that's the average. On average. Yep. And then you see shorter, longer, because that's the average. Exactly. So that's just something to keep in mind. Now, along with that, what should you do to make sure you don't lose any more money? <laughs> well, I would say, number one, don't sell now if you don't have to, because then you would be taking what are paper losses. When you're looking at your account statement, you see it's down in value. That's called a paper loss. You'd be turning paper losses into permanent losses because you would be then permanently locking in that cash value of that loss. And therefore, 
taking a real loss. So that would mean that your purchasing power is you're sitting in cash. There's no chance to recover where if you're in stocks or bonds, you have a chance to recover. And if you're well diversified in solid companies and solid bonds, you're going to get back whole one day. So that's what I would say is don't force sell right now. It's not really a good time to be doing that unless it's part of your plan and you need to cash anyway. That's a different situation. I would not say the time to be getting more aggressive because things could change and even get a little worse. Who knows? So this is kind of an opportunity to stick to the plan. There isn't a guarantee that it won't go down a little bit more. Yep. Right? We can't guarantee that. We never could. But I would say this is just an opportunity to stick to the plan. You know, the question of don't lose any more money, a lot of times they look at that from the account statement standpoint. And what we've had the conversation is even if you went to cash and your account statement stabilized, meaning month to month, it's staying the same or getting maybe a little interest in there. The loss is still there when it comes to purchasing power, because like you talked about inflation. And so when you talk about actually losing more money, you know, that's the hard part is depending on what your decisions are, you really are just changing the type of loss that you're experiencing at this point in time until the market starts turning around recovering and or inflation gets lower. If you can earn interest that's above inflation, then you're growing. But you know, at this point, inflation's eight point three percent and CDs and savings accounts are not eight point three percent. And so that's kind of where even if you're in a stable investment where your statement isn't moving you're still losing money in a a sense of what you could buy with that money. Yeah, the question you must ask yourself is, what is the time frame I need this money? And if that time frame is further out than you anticipate the market to recover, you're going to be fine. You're Mm going to be back to where you were and beyond. So if you were to say, hey, Austin, in five years, am I better holding cash right now or am I better holding stocks and bonds? But again, not a recommendation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. But stocks and bonds are a lot more attractive than cash right now because they at least have the chance to A, get back to where they were and maybe beyond from here. Yep. And cash is only going to be eaten away at right now 8% inflation. So that's kind of what I would would, would say. So that question leads right to the follow-up, which I kind of hit on a little bit. Is there anything you can do to make up for those losses we incurred? Yeah, so... There's again, we've always caveated when we talk about don't selling, don't panic, hold on to your investments. That's true. When it comes to managing your investments, making adjustments along the way is not panic selling. So, if anything you could do now is take a review of your current investments. If you're working with advisor, talk with them, but say, how am I positioned for where it's potentially going, not to what has happened? And so, is there anything you can do? Yeah, possibly you would look at your holdings and do a little bit of adjustment. Yep. It may just be a rebalance because you know stocks have fallen farther than bonds. You mm-hmm. just may just look at your allocation and say, am I in the right spot? We've had, what, five, eight, 10 years of really good stock growth. You may have been overweight to begin with. Who knows? But is there anything you can do? Yeah, you can review. But don't make a sell decision based on fear, but based on long-term success of those individual investments. And I would follow up and say that if you are in the fortunate opportunity that you haven't been as negatively impacted by inflation as some, and you have some cash on the sidelines, now is a great time. You could true up your account value to where it was by putting cash into the market. Now is a good time to be putting cash to work because again, cash isn't doing anything for you and both stocks and bonds are down sharply. Mm -hmm. So if you have cash, 
Now's a good time to be investing. Again, not a recommendation, but if you have a long enough time horizon, you are going to probably Mm -hmm. be able to do much better in stocks or bonds than you are in cash right now. So you could true up your account value to where it was by putting money to work. There you go. Wow. That is 11 questions from our listeners. Josh's favorite number, 11. Next time we might make it 10. Yeah. But as a reminder, if you want your question featured on the show, we will be happy to put it on. Just send it to us until we get to 10 at the investedads.com. Yes, only 10. That's the limit. Thank you for being here this week. I hope that you found this episode enjoyable. And just a shameless plug that I will be hosting a webinar on November 16th, 2022 at 4 o'clock p.m. entitled, Is the Future Electric? I'm going to be talking about the history, the present situation, the technology, where we're headed, as well as share my opinion. If you would like to join me, which I would love it if you would, save your seat by going to theinvesteddads.com and clicking the webinar banner. If you know someone who might benefit from this event, share with them, and I hope that you will join me. And as a reminder, we would love it if you would share this episode with your friends and family, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever listener you use to download our show. So until next week. Have a great week. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Invested Dads podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.